Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of later sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of his, this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Have it, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he spoke uh, he had spoken of the taking of a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that we can come together to study it. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for its truth. We thank you, Father, that your word is a light unto our feet, a lamp to our path or way. And we pray today as we open up your word that you would speak to us through it. Lord God, you would refresh our hearts and bless us. You'd encourage us. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me this day uh, to be a blessing. Help me, Father God, to have uh, your thoughts and Speak your words, and may today we receive from you that which you'd have for us. Just guide now this time as we spend it around your word, and may you receive all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the fundamental truths of the Christian life is that our love for the Lord Jesus Christ should, be motiv should motivate our service for him. Our love should motivate our service for him. And Thomas stands an example of that truth here in the Gospel of John. The name Thomas means twin. So perhaps Thomas was his nickname. In fact, his Greek name is Didymus. We're told that down there in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples. And uh, the, the name Didymus means double. So you have the name Thomas meaning twin and Didymus meaning double. So uh, more than likely, he was a twin. And Thomas, you know, is perhaps the most misunderstood of the 12 disciples of the Lord. 
outside of Judas, Thomas has been put down the most. I mean, think about it. What do you think about it? When we talk about Thomas, what's the first thing you think of when you think of the name Thomas? Doubting Thomas, isn't it? That's exactly what we think of. Well, why? Well, the answer to that is found in John chapter 20, where we know that he said, unless I can place my fingers in the nail prints in his hand and my fist in his side, I will not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that's John 20. So that's where we get that from. Thomas had to see the wounds in his hands before he would believe that Christ had risen. But what about the other disciples? Were any of them perfect? Not by a long shot. And what about Peter? What about James? What about John? They were all men and they were all human. They all made mistakes. They all had weaknesses. But we don't remember so much their weaknesses like we remember Thomas. He gets the poor old nickname, Doubting Thomas. His nickname is probably Thomas, because his real name is Didymus. But we give him the nickname, Doubting Thomas. And by the way, he's never called that in the Word of God. And so before we're quick to condemn Thomas for his unbelief, you and I should remember that many times we're just as guilty, aren't we? We're just as faithless. We're just as unwilling to believe things, sometimes even more so. However, we look closely at Thomas, we'll see that he is a far greater character than most have imagined about him. We know about Thomas's weaknesses, but how many of us know about his strengths? One of those strengths was that Thomas had a fierce love for his Lord that would put most of us to shame. And I want you to notice today with me the effects his deep love for the Lord had in his life. And let's see if we can't reimagine this man, Thomas, as someone who loved the Lord rather than doubting Thomas. You know, especially with me this morning, he was willing to die for Christ. Here in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, particularly verses 6 to 16, now, the background of this passage of Scripture, where Thomas is in verse 16, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. The background for this is John chapter 10 and verse 31. When you go back to John chapter 10 and verse 31, we have the story here where the Lord is describing the relationship of the shepherd to the sheep. And he's talking about the fact that his sheep hear his voice and he knows them and they shall never perish. And, and the, 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 uh, we're in the Savior's hand, the Savior's hand is in the Father's hand and we shall, no man can pluck them out. And then he makes this statement in verse 30. He says, I and my father are one. And in verse 31 we read, Then the Jews took stones again to stone him. And that's the context of chapter 11. There in Judea he had been threatened to be stoned to death for his declaration that he and the father were one. The Jews had tried to stone him because he claimed to be God. Now, shortly after this instant, the Lord hears about his friend Lazarus, who's dying, here in John chapter 11. And you know the story of Lazarus well. There he is, he, he receives word that his friend is dying, and that uh, Mary and Martha have called for him to come, that he might indeed heal him. And he told the disciples that he was going to visit them, visit him in verse 7. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. So he wants to go to Judea again to visit Lazarus. 
And the response of the disciples, one of great fear. Look in verse 8. His disciples say to him, Master, the Jews of late have sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Basically, they're saying, are you mad? <laughs> the people of Judea want to stone you. They want to put you to death. In fact, we only just left there by the skin of our teeth. They took up stones to stone you then, and now you want to go back? Are you mad? This is just crazy to want to go back to Judea where people are waiting to kill you. I mean, they knew that the Jews were enraged by the Lord's statement that he was God. And they were afraid that what would happen is that he would get killed and may well be that they would get killed. And Christ then informs them, saying that Lazarus was sleeping. Look at verse 11. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. He informs the disciples that he wants to go and wake Lazarus out of sleep. Now the disciples took his words literally. And suppose that Lazarus was in sleep. And so they asked, why do we need to go and wake him up? Surely if he's sleeping, it's good for him. Look at verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. Now, I don't know if your imagination can work here, but you can, you can see these disciples, okay? They're, they're in a panic attack. Christ wants to go back to Judea. People in Judea are threatened to kill him, and they may well be collateral damage. And the reason he wants to go back is because his friend's asleep. Why do you need to go and wake your friend out of sleep? Surely if he's sleeping, it's good for him. And you can imagine the disciples' minds are thinking, it's good for us too if he's asleep because we don't have to go to Judea. Because they're worried that what's going to happen? Basically, he said, great, he's asleep. We don't need to go. The Lord then puts it plainly tells them that Lazarus is dead and he must go to Bethany near Jerusalem to raise him from the dead. Look in verse 13. Habit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there for, for to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So he tells them bluntly, he's dead. That's why I'm going to Judea. Now, it's in this context where all the disciples are warning him not to go back to Judea. All the disciples don't want to go back to Judea. In fact, uh, you know, the thought that uh, going back to Judea is causing them some great anxiety. All of them want him to stay and be safe except for one. And this is where we have this sort of extraordinary statement from Thomas in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us go that we may die with him. Now this is the man we call Doubting Thomas. He really has got a poor rap from us, hasn't he? You know, I mean, the very last thing he does, he doubts whether the Lord's raised from the dead, but he wasn't alone in that. Remember that. How many of the other disciples doubted he was risen from the dead? Remember when they, the, the Mary went back from the tomb and told them and Peter and John ran because they couldn't believe it? 
What about the disciples on the road to Emmaus who were discussing the fact that he was dead and didn't know he'd risen from the dead? Poor old Thomas gets dubbed doubting Thomas, yet when you read, firstly read about Thomas, what he's doing is he's laying his life on the line for the Lord. He was one disciple who was willing to put his life on the line. He believed that if Christ was going to die, then there was no sense living. Thomas thought, if he can't live, then I don't want to live. Now, while he had a little faith at times, we must applaud his loyalty and courage here. He was a man of deep love for the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, his love for the Lord at this point was hindered by ignorance. Because he didn't understand, did he? He didn't understand what was happening. He didn't understand what lay ahead. He didn't understand that Christ was not going to die until Christ was ready to die, and that Christ must die in order that he might be risen from the dead, that they might be saved. They, they didn't understand that yet. But what little faith he had moves him to want to go with the Lord, be willing to die with the Lord, even though it was filled with ignorance. Thomas loved him enough to die for him, but his love was not a knowledgeable love. Thomas was really ignorant of what was going on. Look at verses 9 and 10 of this chapter, chapter 11. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Here are two verses in the midst of this extraordinary story of Lazarus and the disciples fearing going back to to Judea going to Bethany because of fear that the Christ might be put to death and they might be collateral damage. In the midst of that, there's these two verses that stand out. And in these two verses, Christ explains to the disciples why they have nothing to fear in going to Bethany. Because he asks the question, are there not 12 hours in the day? Jesus makes it clear that he still has work to do. The day is not finished. The day of his ministry is not over. The night has not yet come. And whatever is daytime, whatever is daylight, he has nothing to fear. They have nothing to fear because there is no need to fear Christ dying too early. Christ will not die during the day. And he make, backs it up by saying this, if any walks in the day, he does not stumble. During these hours, no harm could come to Jesus. No harm could come to his disciples. But now they must work before the night comes, the night of Jesus' crucifixion comes. At this point, though, the disciples did not understand and Thomas did not understand about the death and resurrection of the Lord, even though the Lord just explained it to them, and had been explained to them, by the way, and he explains to them in verse 9 and 10, they still didn't understand, Thomas still did not understand that Christ's death was inevitable, but he was not going to die yet. And since Thomas did not understand the death, the burial and resurrection of the Lord, a pessimistic outlook comes over his life, it hinders his love. And so he says, in effect, if Christ is going to die, let us all go and die with him. It will be all over. 
and that will be the end of it. You know, he's the, the kind of character who's, who you don't want to suggest you do something that could injure you because he'd more than likely agree with you. He's that kind of pessimist, you know. And uh, this is Thomas. He is passionately in love with the Lord, but because of his ignorance, he doesn't understand that there is no need to fear going back to Bethany. And that's why we have a need to read God's word as believers. You know, there's many times we don't understand God's plan for our lives. And as a result, our love for God is hindered by that ignorance. And yet if you and I would take the time to read the word of God, if you and I would seek his help in understanding his word and understanding his will so that we might get to know him better, then you and I would have less to worry about. And our love for him would indeed be enhanced by our knowledge. It would not be ended by ignorance, but be enhanced by knowledge. And then you and I could love him and serve him out of a genuine heart of love. Because the better we know him, the more we'll understand his plan for our lives. Now, in the case of Thomas, he loved the Lord, but he seemed to be serving the Lord out of duty. His love drove him to say, let's go with him that we might die with him. But if, he was driven, if his love was driven by knowledge, he would have said, let's go with the Lord because Christ is not going to die yet. But it was driven by ignorance. Now we commend him for his love. Please don't get me wrong. His love is, is amazing considering all the other disciples. Uh, the, the only one of the other disciples to stand up is Thomas. Nobody else stands up. But the truth is it's driven by a lack of knowledge. He loved the Lord. But he was pessimistic about the final outcome. His attitude seems to be, I don't like the plan, but I'll serve him even though I die for him, if need be. You know, for you and I as believers, it's easy for you and I to get into a rut and serve the Lord. Deep down in our hearts, we're serving the Lord because we love him. But how often do we find ourselves just going through the motions? We love the Lord, but we're doing what we're doing simply because that's what we ought to do. Life and circumstances overwhelm us. And like Thomas, we find ourselves serving the Lord. There's not a great deal of joy in that service. We're doing it because we love him, but life and circumstances are overwhelming us because we don't understand what God is doing. And we're simply going through the motions. Like Thomas, we're ignorant of what the Lord is really doing in our lives. You know, if we desire to have and excitement about what the Lord is doing in our lives, then you and I need to get to know the Lord better. We need to be in his word. We need to be spending time with him because the more we know him, the more we understand him, the more our love for him is based upon the knowledge of him and the more we have a love that's based upon the knowledge of him we can encourage you and I to serve him, not just from a heart of love, but from a heart that's moved by love based upon the knowledge of the will and the character of our God. And when you and I serve because we know God and we know his will, it makes all the difference. When you and I start to understand his will and start to understand his character, 
our love is enhanced. For only then, even though we may still not fully understand all that is happening, will we grow in confidence that the Lord knows best. Only then will we truly enjoy serving him. So we find, first of all, that he, uh, this man Thomas, we find about him that he was willing to die for Christ. Look at me, secondly, he wanted to be with Christ. Look in John chapter 14, please. John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. A few days later, after this event in Bethany, where he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, a few days later, the Lord stayed in Jerusalem the night before his crucifixion and encouraged his disciples by giving them some final instructions about the future. Here in John chapter 14. And as you read this account, it seems that uh, uh, as if these trembling band of disciples sensed that something was different on that night. As they ate the last supper together, the last meal together, the Lord stands up and he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. And in the midst of this grand statement that the Lord is making his disciples to encourage them, Thomas again crops up. And he interrupts the Lord. In verse 5, and Thomas says unto the Lord, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? You see, Thomas interrupts the Lord, stating that we don't know where you're going, so how in the world can we follow you? How are we going to get there if we don't know where you're going? You just told us, in verse 5, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas said, no, we don't. Here's Thomas again. Here's his heart born bare for you and I to see. Here's this man who deeply loves his Lord, the man who's willing to die for him. Now he says, I want to go with you. Wherever you go, I want to be, but I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas expressed an earnest desire to be with the Lord where he went. But after spending three years with Christ... And listening to his teaching, Thomas still did not understand Christ's words. He should have had a relationship with Christ that was sufficient for him to know what Christ was talking about. But he didn't grow in knowledge of him. He should have known where the Lord was going. He'd heard the Lord teach for three years that there was a day coming whereby he would go and he'd be betrayed of the Jews, he'd be crucified, and he would die for the sins of the world. He should have known that. And yet he still didn't understand. And once again, the problem was not a lack of love, but it's a lack of knowledge. 
Thomas wants to be with his Lord. There's no, there's no doubt here. This is not Thomas doubting whether or not this was a smart move being a disciple of Christ. His love is, is overwhelming. He wants to be with the Lord. But right now he shows his ignorance yet again. It's the lack of knowledge that's causing the problem. Not his lack of love. You know, Paul faced the same problem with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even unto, unto babes in Christ. He's writing the letter of the Corinthians to them, and he wants to speak to them as mature believers, but he has to speak to them as babes in Christ because they've not understood what they've been taught. He complains that he could not talk to them about the things that they needed to hear because they were still babes. You know, and I wonder why is it some Christians can be in church for years and yet still don't have a knowledge to teach others or to stand for truth. Well, the reason is that like Thomas, they hear the word, but they don't diligently seek to know the Lord. They never truly strive to know him, but we should. Look you know what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, if you would please. Philippians chapter 3, because here is a great example for you and I. Starting in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3, we read, For what things were gained to me, those things I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win him. We found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, the faith of, God, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He says, I want to know him. I want the knowledge of him. Paul says, I, I want everything to be driven by the knowledge of him. And verse 12, he says, Not as though I have already attained, either we're already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He wanted to know him. Because Paul understood that if the more you know him, the more you understand him, the more you get to in fellowship with him, the greater your knowledge of him is, the greater your passion for serving him is moved by that knowledge. And the serving him becomes so much better and so much more fulfilling when you serve him because you know him. Not just out of duty, but because you love him. And our love will only grow as we get to know him. Thomas did love the Lord, but his knowledge was limited. He did not know much, but he knew that wherever the Lord was going to be, he wanted to be there. Let it off is our problem. We love the Lord, but we just don't know him, we just don't know him enough for that love to be moved by knowledge. And that ignorance leads us to question his will instead of resting in his will. The key to knowing God is through prayer and the study of his word. And as we get to know him better, we'll have confidence in his will. And then lastly, look thirdly, his love was finally based on knowledge. Look in John chapter 20. Let's come to the passage he was willing to die for the Lord. 
he wanted to be with Christ. And now thirdly, his love was finally based on knowledge. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print of his nails, and put my finger in the print of his nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he unto Thomas, uh, says he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Believed. Now blessed are they that have not seen me, and yet have believed. His love was finally based on knowledge. Finally, we come to John 20. And we catch a gl the last glimpse of Thomas in the Word of God. When he's told that Christ has risen from the dead, Thomas fears to believe. And so in verse 25, he, he doesn't believe them. He, he said, unless I can see the nail prints in his hands and put my fingers in that prince and I can put my fist in his side, I will not believe. He, he, is, he is afraid to believe his knowledge once again is limited he did not want to get his hopes up and have them dashed he would not believe until he could see it all for himself after showing himself to the disciples Christ appears eight days later this time Thomas is with them and he heard that Thomas's words so he invited Thomas to look in verse 26 Jesus came unto them and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas immediately had his eyes open. And the eyes of ignorance were now completely wide open, and he confessed that Jesus was God. And he says in verse 28, My Lord and my God. Until now, his love had been based purely upon experience. But now it's based upon faith. Thomas at last understood. At last he understood that Christ had died, was buried and rose again the third day. Finally he understood what it was all about. Finally his faith is, is based upon knowledge. He believes, my Lord and my God. And what a difference it made in his life. Up to this point, he was pessimistic, fearful, and frustrated. Now he has faith, and his love causes him to be optimistic, bold, and confident. My Lord and my God. Here is a man who loves the Lord passionately. You know, instead of calling Doubting Thomas, we should call him Loving Thomas, because that's what drives him. He has a passionate love for the Lord, a love that says, I'm willing to die for him. A love that says, Lord, where you are, I want to be. A love that causes him not to be willing to get too overconfident about the resurrection of the Lord. But it's all based upon a lack of knowledge. It's based upon ignorance. But now finally, as he sees the Lord standing there with those nail prints in his hand and the hole in his side, as Thomas looks, Thomas now knows. 
and his knowledge causes him to say, my Lord and my God. Beloved, as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord, we too will be more optimistic, more bold and more confident because we know him. And our love then is based upon knowledge, not just based upon the fact that we love him, but based upon knowledge. And the more we know him, the better we love him. And the better we love him, the more passionately we'll serve him for his glory. Historians tell us that Thomas went as a missionary to India where he died. In India, even today, there is tradition that Thomas sailed there to be spread the gospel and the Christian faith. He is said to have landed a small village at that time, a port named Palapur. He is said to have left Palapur in AD 52 for southern uh, Kalala state where he established seven churches. One historian says on the 3rd of July, AD 72, near Chennai, India, Thomas was pierced with a lance and he died. Apparently, a great festival was held to celebrate his death because of this man who had established a beachhead for the Lord in India. How many of us love the Lord enough to live for him, let alone to die for him? Henry of us loved the Lord enough to tell others about him and stand boldly for him. Well, may the Lord help you and I to search out the scriptures that we might get to know him, that we might grow in him, that our love for him might grow, that we might have the boldness, the confidence, and the passion to serve him. Because like Thomas, we know him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your apostle Thomas. We do pray, Father God, that you'd help us to think differently of the man when we think of Thomas, to think of a man who loved you passionately rather than a man who doubted the resurrection. And that, Lord God, we might learn that our love for you needs to be based upon knowledge not in ignorance, that we might be passionate in our service for you day by day. Commend your word now to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.